Good evening and welcome to episode 135 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. I've got my pink on here as we are going to talk about the great card this Friday. It is Kentucky Oaks Day at Churchill Downs. Please make sure you subscribe on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. Hit that notification bell so you know new content will arise and you can watch. And then also smash that thumbs up button. They'll tell YouTube this is a great show. Of course, on my name tab, you can reach me on Twitter, at hkravitz. And on the bottom of the screen, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. We have a fantastic show. We have fantastic guests and co-hosts ready to come on. Let's clean up a few quick things before we get into a fantastic Kentucky Oaks Day at Churchill Downs. Let me go ahead and share my screen. We'll jump right into it, folks. First of all, Let's talk about what's happening uh, tomorrow. Whoops, got a little bit. Let me fix that here. Let's talk about what's happening tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow on the show is fantastic. It's going to be exclusively about the uh, Kentucky Derby Day. And let me go ahead and let's see if this is working a little better. There we go. Kentucky Derby Day, again, tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be t- discussing all the stakes, late pick five, detailed analysis of the Kentucky Derby, all the bets that go along with it. With a special guest, the 2021 NHC champion, Justin Mustari, is going to join us. It's going to be a fantastic show. We're very excited uh, for that. Also, I meant to bring that on the screen. Let's also talk about a few other things. Uh, The podcast pool has been on fire. We have a lot of people that are interested, and perhaps our uh, guest tonight might be interested in buying in as well. Pool number four starts this weekend. If you want detailed information, you can see it on the screen. If you're watching or, sorry, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor, you might want to go to the YouTube channel and check out the uh, video replay of the show. But again, it's the, the pool will be bets on usually Saturdays, pick fives, etc. If you're interested in buying the podcast pool, it the deadline is Friday noon Eastern. Again, the deadline for podcast pool four is Friday noon Eastern Standard Time. So if you are interested in it and you need to hop on it, if you have more details or you need more details or you have questions, you can uh, email me, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. Or again, click below, uh, below the video player. There is a show more button and you can click there and look in uh, to that. But again, uh, if you want a part of the Superfecta that we're playing, you must buy it in the podcast pool. You cannot do that separately. Uh, you can play the podcast pool without playing the Superfecta, but if you do want to be a part of the Superfecta, you do need to join uh, the podcast pool. It's a lot of fun. Highly recommend uh, you guys take a look at that. Uh, also, we have a race day blog. Uh, the race day blog are my spot plays, price plays that I send out. If you'd like to make your own bets, but you would just like uh, my opinions, then the blog is the place to go. It's only $3 every Saturday. I'm currently hitting at over $4 with my ROI. Uh, Last week, it was absolutely on fire. I also give ABC grids, pick fours, pick fives, etc. It's a fantastic blog. Again, it's through Patreon. If you're interested in that, uh, there's the information on the screen. And also, again, below uh, the video player, you can check that out as well. I believe that's going to take care of everything that we need to. Again, of course, you can uh, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor. 
you can listen there as well. We have a lot to talk about tonight. We have a lot of people watching. Let's see who's already commented in before I bring on my co-host and my guest. We've got uh, Jared Bush is here. I see uh, Ken. Ken, you're exactly right. Ken Heil. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Hello, Ken. I I believe you're new to the show or at least new to the comments. Uh, Yeah, the weather we're going to be talking about uh, for sure. Uh, we got Jared Bushes here. He likes Cyberknife. If it's uh, muddy, of course, that's on Saturday. Uh, Stan, again, is here from Arkansas. Uh, we got Phil Conti from Saratoga. We've got, wow, oh, Robert from Frisco, Texas. That's what I love about this show, guys. It just brings everyone together. We've got we've got High Risk from the West Coast representing Southern California. So we got people all over the place from all over the country. Uh, K2. K2, thank you very much. I appreciate you uh, coming on. We've got a lot of new people. This is really awesome and exciting. Please make sure, everyone, you comment uh, on the top right-hand side of the screen if you are on YouTube. If you are watching this on Twitter right now, thank you very much. You might want to jump over to YouTube if you can because then you can join our live chat. But certainly if you're watching us from the Twitter universe, thank you very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I think let's ready to go because it's it's uh, we got a lot to talk about uh, today. First, before I bring on our guest tonight, let's bring on our fantastic co-host that's been getting a lot of love on Twitter and and other places and justly deserve. I'm so happy these two gentlemen are my co-hosts. Let's bring them on from the East Coast, Pete Visco and Paul Halloran. Guys, are we ready for Oaks Day? Let's do it. Paul, how you doing tonight? There yes, he's got the counter. I feel like it's a telethon. Uh, we are, I think we're over that actually. I think I saw ten thirty four. But anyway, that's the number of subscribers for people who have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, Paul, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Howard. Hello, Pete. Hey, hey, Paul. Uh, Paul, you might you, so your name tag's a little bit you know in front of your face because your camera angle. You might want to slightly move the camera down. There we go. I think that's to be better or back up a little bit. Perfect. All right, guys. Uh, Kentucky Oaks Day, uh, it, it's going to be a great day. It's, I believe there's, what, 13 races. I just handicapped, I don't know about you guys, I handicapped 27 races in the last 48 hours. Um, and, yes, I did go to school, and, yes, I did teach the students. So uh, I did do my job just trying to handicap off times. Uh, let's go ahead and bring in our guest, as he's been uh, waiting very patiently. Ladies and gentlemen, to help us with the handicapping uh, tonight, I like to bring on a special guest. He's a Chicago guy like me, very successful handicapper, especially in the contest world. He's been doing it a long time. I have a lot of respect for this guy. Let's wake, welcome to the show from Chicago, Frank Mustari. Frank, how are you doing tonight? Great, guys. Thanks for hey, having Frank. me. Hey, Frank. Absolutely. Frank, it's a real pleasure to have you. A a few quick things about Frank for people that are not familiar with Frank, and then I'll let him add to it and introduce himself. Like I said, very successful in the contest world. His latest big score, and Frank, correct me if I'm wrong, he won the 2021 last year's grade one gamble at Keelan, collected a a lot of cash with the trifecta in the last race. He's played a lot of uh, contests. Of course, he's father of, of Justin Mustari, who just won the NHC uh, last year, and Frank has had many other successful scores. In fact, his entire family is very much into the handicapping world. Frank, before I steal your thunder, why don't you introduce yourself to the HHH Racing Podcast? Just to let you know, we do have a lot of experienced people that watch the show, but we also have some younger viewers and people with not quite as much handicapping experience. So 
please go and add to the wonderful resume that you have uh, that I just uh, mentioned. Yeah, well, besides Keeneland last year, actually my latest biggest score, I, I followed that up uh, by winning the Belmont Derby Day contest too. So uh, uh, I play all the live money contests uh, wherever they're at, basically. And uh, I'm a Gulfstream guy. I play Gulfstream every day of the year. And a lot of people make fun of me, give me crap because I play it throughout the summer. But uh, I like betting on the horses that I know and I can almost handicap them off an overnight. And that's uh, that's where I get my edge. And so that's why I stay in in mainly one pool on my daily stuff and then all the contests and all the big days I follow. So I've got to jump right to this question. Do you bet the Tapita at Gulfstream? <laughs> I, I do. And I, <laughs> I was not very successful for the few first few months. And I'm still not very successful. And it's, uh, it's caused me to uh, complain about it a lot. And... Uh, if they don't change it and go back to what Aiden Butler's saying, uh, that they're going to use it only when they're off the turf, it, it might get me to change circuits. Uh, and it's a circuit I love and been with for 10 years, but it's just too much unpredictability playing, you know, three different courses. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I won't stick around long if they don't change it by uh, the championship meet, that's for sure. I hear that's a whole, that's another conversation for another day. I'll just end that point by saying, uh, I had an off-the-record conversation at Christine Lee's with Ron Nicoletti and uh, a few other people. I won't mention uh, what they said, but let's just say that everyone's hoping that they fix that situation and the timing situation, too. But again, that's a whole other show for another day. Frank, you have a little baseball background. I'm, I'm sure we have a lot of sports fans. Can you tell everyone your uh, very exciting baseball and softball accolades as well? Yeah, I, I played college baseball at Illinois State. I was drafted the uh... By the Dodgers way, way back in 1987. Spent two years in their organization and uh, loved every minute of it and great organization to play for. And uh, when I got released, I needed something to do. And it wasn't uh, always horses, but I got involved in, uh, you know, outside of Chicago, no one's probably going to know this, but 16-inch softball, which was a, a major sport in Chicago. I got involved in that and played with some of the best teams in the country uh, for a bunch of years and, and was inducted to the 16 inch softball hall of fame that we have here in Chicago. So uh, that was what got my fill, you know, of my competitive edge for a long time and uh, have always been involved in horses. So uh, now, now that I can't run anymore, I, I do horses mainly. Well, listen, we're really happy to have you on. We appreciate all the time you're going to uh, give us tonight. Uh Gentlemen, let's quickly just set up the, what's happening now on Friday for everyone that's listening. Of course, I'm going to go ahead and take the banner here off the screen. So it's Kentucky Oaks Day. They have 13 races. Now, we're not going to talk about all 13 uh, tonight. We are going to mainly focus, ladies and gentlemen, on the late pick five, which is races 7 through 11. However, there are two undercard stakes we're going to talk about very briefly, guys, very briefly. Race 5 and race 6. Those are the first two uh, races that we're going to talk about. Before we do that, I want to bring up the wagering menu. Uh, and let me go ahead and again switch screens here. So, for and it's a little bit small. I'm going to go full screen. This is the wagering menu, uh, courtesy of Churchill Downs for Friday. Now, you can see they've got obviously one play show, exact to tries, supers, daily doubles in every race. Let me scroll down here, almost around. They, they have, what, four pick fives starting race one, three, it looks like seven, and nine. We're going to be focused on the pick five that starts in race seven. They also have uh, a Derby City pick six, 
Uh, they've got some special pick threes going. I've got another screen I'll show you in a minute. They In race 11, you can see there on the screen, they've got the Oaks Derby Double, which is a $1 bet. Uh, they also have the Oaks uh, Turf, Big Turf Race uh, Derby Pick 3. Uh, that starts in race 11. So they've got a lot of uh, different bets going on. I've got another screen that I want to bring up for everyone. Just be patient here, and I'll get it up on screen if I can find. Here's the This is the one I want right there. Okay, there's a little better you can see. Again, the Oaks Derby Double, the Oaks Forester Bourbon Turf Classic Derby Pick 3. There is a, a two-day Oaks Derby Pick 6, which perhaps Frank, uh, I'll have to ask Frank here in a minute if he enjoys playing uh, horizontally and, and likes the pick six, but that is a $2 base bet. The Oaks Derby uh, pick six, everyone. And then of course they've other, they've added things. They have, they have an all three-year-old uh, pick three. They've got an all stakes, all dirt pick three. Uh, just boy, if you are, if you like betting, uh, this is definitely the uh, weekend to do it for sure. Um, I'm going to actually, let's go back. Frank, real quick, before we get into the races of all those bets, is there a particular bet that you are most interested that will either uh, happen on Oaks Day or starts on Oaks Day and carries into Derby Day? Well, now that you said the pick six that combines both days, I didn't even know that was out there. So yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to look into that. But uh, um, other than pick six and maybe pick fives on occasion, I'm a big – I play race by race because uh, uh, if I don't have an opinion in a race, I'm not just taking a, a guess usually. Um, so I'm a big trifecta, superfecta guy. So with the pools as big as they are, um, I can make a nice score in, in any one of these races the next uh, few days. Uh, real, just have a quick, uh, uh, whip around. So Frank's more vertical player, Pete, of all those bets, anything, any two day bets you might play, you're going to focus just more on Saturday. What's your thought right now? You know, I need, I'd probably need to look, I do like the two day bets, but it depends on, it depends on what the opinions are. And I, I don't want to go crazy on a ticket, but I do, you know, the $2 pick six can get expensive real quick. If you don't, you know, if you don't have really strong opinions in a few of the races, the Oaks Derby double is just a fun one just to, just to combine the two marquee races of the weekend. So probably dip around a little bit and, you know, it's always, always happy to spend some money somewhere, unfortunately. Well, rumor has it you have a little money from uh, last weekend. If you if you're new to the show, you're not aware. Pete Visco hit the uh, late pick five uh, twice at San Anita for 6,200. Uh, yours truly also hit it for only once. But I was alive to a bunch of others for multiple times. It just uh, thankfully Pete sort of tipped a 20 to one morning line shot out. Otherwise, I'm not sure I would have used that horse. Paul, very quickly before we get into the handicapping. Last question. Uh, any of those bets we talked about, Paul, that you either have interest in this year or you've had interest in in the past? I will play the double, and I will look at the pick six, uh, just as Pete says, in, in the event, you know, you think you can narrow anywhere. I, I'll be honest with you, I, I might end up going narrow in the closing leg, the derby, and uh, taking my chances there. But uh, I'm more of a horizontal pick five player, so I'll be dipping into – some of those pick five pools. Um, let me answer Dean's question. And then guys, I promise we're gonna go right to the handicapping. Um, I actually read about this today. It's, it's been 10 cents. It's been other things. One of the main reasons I know this sounds crazy to some people. It actually, to me, it makes a lot of sense. Um, when, when you have a lot of people betting the 10 cent super, it takes a long time to actually spit out the ticket out of your mouth and say it. And there's been huge delays 
in lines at the tellers. And that's actually been a major concern. I found that interesting. So that's one of the main main reasons, Dean, they're going to a dollar is actually it just takes too freaking long for people to actually physically make that bet at the tracks, which I think is fascinating. I actually like it. I like when the base bets, I don't know how you guys feel. I like when the base bets are a little bit higher. I mean, it separates the, you know, the, I think the real true best handicappers from people are just throwing numbers in because it's their favorite birthdays or whatnot. So it it is going to be difficult, uh, but I'm very excited. And actually, speaking of that, I think this is a perfect time to bring this up, guys. Uh, we have a lot of people. In case you're wondering, should I play in the in the in the podcast pool or should I play in the super factor? I'm going to bring this. Uh, actually, you guys won't be able to see it. I'm going to rattle off. I know that I'm on screen. I have something else that I'm looking at personally right now. Just to let everyone know, we have almost four thousand dollars right now. Almost four thousand dollars into the one dollar super factor uh, bet that we're going to play. That's without my money as well. And we have, are we ready, drumroll, $8,000 in the podcast pool. That means every week we're going to be able to bet a $2,000 in to bet. So I'm going to rattle off some names very quickly. The names I rattle off right now are the people that are part of the podcast pool um, as of a few hours ago. Real quickly, Bill Mack, Brad A., Brendan F., Brian D., Bruce G., Damon M., David D., David L.A., David L.U., Dean G., Derek P., Donald R., Edward M., Jim P., Joe S., we're halfway done, John L., Joseph W., Ken Z., Kevin M., Lee F., Leo C., Leonard W., Mark D. E., Matt M., Michael C., Paul B., Paul C., uh, almost done, uh, Raymond or Ramon C., Richard B., Steve H., Tim B., Vincent R. and William C. That is all the people currently right now as part of the podcast pool. And, and that was as of a few hours ago. If you've signed up in the last few hours, you're not on that list. All right, guys. Uh, it's very exciting. Let's jump in. Are we ready to talk about Oaks Day uh, 2022? Here we go. Uh, we're going to start in race five, and we're going to be whipping around. Now, um, I do have banners starting in race seven. Uh, gentlemen on the screen here, my my uh, wonderful co-host and guests, we're going to do five and six real quick. Literally 10 seconds a guy, maybe just your top pick, because I'm not showing banners for this. So let me go ahead and share my screen here, and we will get started. There we go. Let me go like this. All right. The first race uh, that we're going to talk about is race five. It's a modesty. It's a grade three. Again, this is outside of the late pick five. Older fills and mares a mile and eighth. On the turf, the favorite at nine to five is Bleecker Street. Real nice horse. I'll show the PPs here in a second. Uh, Frank, who do you like in this spot? Um, probably not a race I'm really going to play, but uh, if I do play some pick fours, pick fives, if it falls in this uh, race here somewhere, the one and the eight are the two obvious to me. But uh, I'm going to be having some tickets with the two stand tall. Um, I'm hoping Giroux gets uh, real aggressive early. Maybe they let this horse have the lead and this horse can wire at a, at a real nice price and uh, trying to beat the two obvious chalks, I thought, maybe. Yeah, 12-1 to morning line, distance should not be a problem. Pete, who do you like in this race? 
Uh, I'm going lazy. I like I like Bleecker Street. It was a horse, I think, on one of our shows um, before the last race. This was one I called out as a single, and it actually helped me out in in whatever whatever play that was. So I just think this horse could be a monster, and it's got Pratt. It picks up Pratt. Just you, you're taking a horse that's already been pretty dominant, and now you take you go to Pratt um, yeah. with Brown. So. I mean, not to be, I'm actually, this is one of those, I'm glad it's not in the final pick five sequence because I think it could be chalky. Absolutely. Paul? Uh, I think it's going to be hard to beat both of the uh, obvious horses. Are they, are they, I like Frank's uh, idea. Uh, I, I would be uh, using both, but if I were playing anyone uh, singly, uh, I would take the one. I would take a shot to beat Bleecker Street with the one fluffy socks. Okay, so he's going 8-1. Um, I'm going 8-1-6. I think Bleecker Street could be tough. But actually, if I were to make a win bet, it might be on Fluffy Socks. Guys, I like the fact this horse's second start off the layoff. And he's also won, you can see. And I remember that this race at Pimlico. I don't know if you guys remember uh, that race or just in general. He's run very well on soft ground. We got to talk about the the weather here in just a second. But I like that Fluffy Socks has run on soft ground. Frank, I just want to say that your idea on the two is sort of my similar idea with the six, Hendy Woods, who I have in third. I think I'm off the lay second off the layoff, uh, Ortiz is going to show more speed. I don't know what this horse was doing last time because I thought maybe in the fairgrounds race that she'd get the lead. She does have some tactical speed. I think she's going to use it. But I agree with all you guys in general. I'm going 8-1-6. Uh, in this race. And Frank, as I bring you back, we got to talk about the weather real quick. So Friday does not look good. Uh, I assume the races before the stake races are going to be taken off the turf. A lot of these surf races don't have a lot of AEs. So I, I've got to believe, unless it's unsafe or there's, you know, lightning or I don't know, they're going to run on the turf. In your experience, Frank, I have seen that the inside of the turf course uh, at Churchill can be very bad when it gets wet. But this is a new turf course. Do you have any clue as to how the turf course might play if it comes up yielding? Oh, I would have no idea. But I'm glad you said that about the old turf course because I am starting to play Churchill for the first time in my life on a regular basis as a secondary okay. track. So I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and again, and, and Pete and Paul, just real quick, when any turf course is wet, any opinion at all? Do you prefer horses up front, closers? You think it's completely situational? What's been your experience on a very wet turf course? Either one of you. I think it's I, to, for me, it's mostly situational. I mean, I like to see, I mean, if you have speed, you know, obviously it, it seems like speed can, can hold a little bit more, but I mean, only if it's, if it's decent speed, I mean, I'm not going to take a speed horse just for the hell of it because the, the course is wet. Paul. Yeah. I, I think it's situational and how there's only one turf race in the first four. So that would be the one to come off. I think it's the third race. Uh, so this yeah. fifth race that we just talked about, that'll be the, you know, the first race they really have to make a decision. And I think, uh, you know, the problem is they're supposed to get some rain, I think, starting tomorrow or tomorrow night. So um, and, and they, you know, they have these <laughs> grade one turfs on uh, Saturday. So uh, but brand new course hasn't really got much use. You would hope it's going to be able to take some water and, you know, just. Do like they do in Europe. They run on it no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just can't worry about it. I'll just very quickly before I end the race six. In my experience, I actually prefer horses up front. I think when the when the courses are firmer, that wicked late turn of foot is not just doesn't quite happen as much. 
The other thing is we've seen this before. Horses have actually gotten injured with the clods of grass, like kicking up into their face, sort of like what happens on the dirt. So I'm not saying I'm taking all speed on Friday and or Saturday, but for me, I do like horses that are a little more forward, forwardly placed uh, if it's wet. Just my just my personal opinion. And I do prefer horses in the outer paths, uh, but we have no idea. Frank is exactly right. We have no idea how this turf horse is going to play. All right, guys, let's get into uh, the race six. Race six is, again, outside of the pick five. But, again, we are briefly talking about stake races here before we get into the, uh, the late pick five. This is the La Troyenne. By the way, this is, gentlemen, this is the first leg of the two-day pick six. Again, this is the first leg of the $2 two-day pick six. Three quarters of a million dollars. Uh, these are for, they're going mile 16th on the dirt. Older fillies and mares. It looks like a two-horse race on paper. She dares the devil is the six to five morning line favorite. Pauline's Pearl's second choice. Pete, we'll just have you. Again, guys, We're if you see us on screen, we're literally just going to be going down the screen just to make things easier for everyone here. Uh, Pete, you're going to go first. Your thoughts in this race, Pete? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't particularly like this race all that much, so I, I probably wouldn't play it aside from the fact that it is in that, in that pick six maybe. But I, I leaned on Pauline's Pearl, and it's mostly, mostly just because the hope is that Pauline's Pearl is a little bit more on the way up and improving as opposed to She Dares the Devil, who I'm hoping maybe is sort of coming back a little bit. And so I think this horse, after that last one, you know, ran a nice race to CC, who's been who's been really good in the last you know six months or so. And then before that, those couple of wins. So I'm just taking a shot, figuring it's a low price, but I think she could at least beat She Dares the Devil, which would be, you know, at least knocking a favorite out of a of a pick six or pick six or any other horizontal would be beneficial. Paul? Yeah, uh, I I Exactly how I'm thinking. You know, they are the two logicals. I went looking around elsewhere. It's a, you know, it's a short field. There's only seven. And uh, I was all over Pauline's Pearl last time. Thought she had a good chance. And as Pete brings out, uh, I wasn't sure about CC in that race. And, and she really is. She really is on top of her game. But uh, I think uh, Astrison, Rosario, I, I think coming off the last two races, you know, she did as the devil won this race last year, uh, wire to wire. Uh, she only really lost to Latruska after that. Latruska and Barney Selch had a really good year, but uh, until the distaff that, of course, just fell apart. But uh, the key, my key is Pauline's Pearl. Yeah, I wanted to show, by the way, Pauline, this is the, uh, there are many horses coming out of this last race. Pauline's Pearl is the two. She dares the devils a seven. Well, look what happens to Pauline's Pearl at the beginning of the race. Again, she's the two. Uh, she's got some issues here. We're going to see the break here in a second. She broke a little bit slow, and boy, gets pinched and steadied back. I mean, look at the, look at this. She's climbing. This is already, what, a, a four-length lead right out of the gate? We're not going to show the whole race. Uh, well, actually, we'll go ahead and show the end of the race because Pauline's Pearl really uh, is able to recover. You see she's on the outside there in the Stone Street uh, silks making the move. Meanwhile, Pauline's, or she dares the devil, has really had it completely their own way. And I will take it, it will take it deep into stretch here. You can see Pauline's Pearl goes left-handed and just doesn't quite have enough to get there. But you'd have to believe, and Cheaters the Devil actually gets in third, you'd have to believe that start really hurt Pauline's Pearl. I like that that uh, effort that she showed against uh, a few others in here. Uh, Frank, who do you like in this race? Yeah, I'm, I'm the uh, same way as you guys. I th- I, I'm a Pauline's Pearl 
I think she is a she dares the devil might be going a little backwards, might not be the top of her game, and Pauline Pearl is the one. But uh, if I was playing something, trying to be a little cute here, I, I would lean on the Irad horse, the four battle bling. Ever since the barn change and no Lasix in the last three starts, uh, this horse has improved. And uh, I don't see why if, uh, you know, something crazy happens, this horse is going to run its race, I think. Um, and, and enough to at least maybe split the two chalks uh, if you're playing exactas or something like that, and maybe uh, a little luck, uh, get a victory, and that would really start out that two-day pick six. Yeah, before I get back to my uh, quick thoughts on the PPs, every – listen, I, I've really tried very hard these last 48 hours, I don't know about you guys, is not to concern myself too much with the weather and the, and, and the uh, condition of the dirt because, as you all know, and for those of you at home – there are sloppy tracks, which are the sort of tracks usually where you see like literally puddles on the track and they're kicking up a lot of uh, mud. But then you see like sealed wet tracks where, you know, there's not a lot of dirt being or not a lot of mud being kicked up and it's like really smooth, but it's fast. I mean, guys, we don't know exactly what the dirt's going to play. And just because a horse likes wet doesn't mean he likes he or she likes every kind of wet course so you can just go crazy uh we're not going to focus too much but as i go back to the pp's full screen for those of you who don't know again the top right hand side of the screen of the uh drf you see there is a wet you see wet there at the top right and then you see a number to the right of it that is the tomlinson number the higher the better usually anything over 400 is very good so if you do want to take that into consideration which i think you should a little bit uh, again, you want to look for a number, ideally, that's higher, of course, than everyone else. Anything over 400, great. Under 300, bad. In the 300s, you know, is average, depending on where it lands. Um, I've got this four-horse Frank in third. I'm not sure she classes up, but I respect your opinion. I think she's a little bit interesting. I completely agree with Pete. I really like Pauline's Pearl in this spot a lot. In fact, she's my lone A in this race. I just, I like everything about her last race. I think she's improving. And although she, there's the devil obviously can win and I'm using her, you know, I, I think her best days might be behind her and there is other speed in here. I mean, temper time has to go right. Uh, one early time form. And then the horse on the outside, Ava's grace has to go. So I think it might just set up nicely for Pauline's Pearl guys. I've got six two four. I have six two four in this race. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the late pick five on Kentucky Oaks Day, our feature bet. I will now start showing things on the bottom of the screen as well. We're going to, if you're, again, if you're new to the show, welcome very much. I'm the host, Howard Kravitz of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Pete Visco, Paul Halloran, and fantastic handicapper and contest player, Frank Mustari. We're about to tackle the late uh, pick five on Friday, Kentucky Oaks Day. And Frank, we're going to have you start. For, actually, sorry, Paul, we're going to have you start first. It is your turn. Uh, it starts with the Ali Shiva. Let me go full screen. Again, this is the beginning of the late pick five uh, on Friday. The Ali Shiva stakes, half a million dollars. It's for older four-year-olds and up. They're going a mile and a 16th on the dirt. What a nice field. You see a lot of very good horses. Some are coming off layoffs. The Moorline favorite is an absolute train right now. Olympiad for Mott and Alvarado. I'm going to go ahead and bring up the PPs, 9-5. to five. Uh, Mr. Halloran, where are we going to kick off this pick five? 
You got your uh, your uh, your sound is off there, Paul. Sorry, I'm going to go to Folsom uh, the six as my top selection in the race. Okay. Obviously, as you say, the five uh, the five is going to be a handful and would be an A for me on my ABC. But and I don't think the six. I don't think you're going to get eight to one as indicated. But uh, had a good comeback race in the Oaklawn Mile last time. Uh, I'm going to be looking at Suzanne uh, in a race on Saturday. Uh, I, I think that this uh, this horse is going to be my top play to beat. You know, you got to beat the five, obviously, the way the five's running. But uh, I'm going to go the – I have the five and six as A's and then a couple of C's. Uh, the one – I have the one, the two, and the seven uh, as C's. But uh, my, my top pick is going to be Fulsome. And by the way, on the bottom of the screen right now, ladies and gentlemen, is a scroll. I prefer I prefer a scroll – over a banner because we can see more of the uh, PPs. So, uh, and if you're, of course, you're listening to this as a replay on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor, obviously you cannot see the screen. You can only hear us. So I'll try my best, or our guests and co-hosts, we'll try our best to give our top three uh, because, uh, guys, of course, they can't see the screen. Again, Paul's going 652 uh, in this race, Folsom. I heard the morning lines, by the way, are a little bit shaky at Churchill. And by the way, <laughs> I just want to—I just want to say something to Paul. I felt great today. You know why? I'm in the car this morning on my way to work. I turn on the Steve Bick show. Andy Serling is on, who of course is not afraid to give his opinion. And guess what's the first thing he talks about? How absolutely ridiculous, embarrassing Mike Mataglia's morning lines. Uh, were this weekend. So, uh, by the way, Frank, feel free to hate on the morning lines uh, because I've been doing it the last few days. It's nothing personal with Mike Battaglia, who is, you know, a credit to the game and he's been around a long time. But, Jesus, these these morning lines were absolutely atrocious. All right, uh, Frank, who do you like here in the opening leg of the pick five? Well, on your morning lines, I like when they're bad morning lines because if they're bad morning lines – if people are following those morning lines and betting off it, I like to take advantage of that. So I like Absolutely. to see bad morning lines, to be honest with you. But here for me in this race, I think it's a no-brainer. There's no price on Olympiad. I don't think it's probably going to even be close to 9 to 5. I think you're probably getting even money, 4 to 5 on this horse maybe. And yeah. this just looks like a horse that Bill Mott has taken his time with getting better. He knew the horse was probably good all along slowly went through conditions and stretching out and i'm assuming in the back of his mind he's thinking this is his breeders cup classic horse uh, uh come november here at keeneland too so on every ticket I, I don't i don't you know playing the pick fours pick fives this is a single for me i'll take what i call the free square even though it's a short number and then i'll uh, try to get creative later in the card yeah and you have Folsom in second anything you want to mention about happy saver who you have in third frank yeah, I mean, just, you know, it just seems like whenever I'm uh, looking for something else, I always <laughs> lean on IRED. Uh, in, you know, the horses he picks, he always seems to pick the right one. And uh, nothing too exciting about it other than him and, and Pletcher teaming up. Probably, uh, you know, no value there either. And uh, probably he's going to get the right trip to get, you know, suck up for second or third. Yeah, coming off the layoff and actually has done well at this shorter distance. So, um, I think Happy Saver is is interesting. Well, I'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, you see Pete's picks there at the bottom of the screen. Uh, Pete, I, yeah, I'm sure you're going to echo the same thoughts. You've got pretty much the same three that have been talked about, but you're going with Folsom on top, also. Yeah, it was more of a it was more of a co a, sort of a co pick to me. I mean, obviously you can't 
you, you can't knock the credentials of Olympiad. He's been awesome. He's basically been one of the best horses in 2022 on paper and, and just watching him visually. The only reason I took a shot with Folsom, again, similar to last, similar when we were talking about Pauline's Pearl, I was thinking this one might be one from three to four, just seems to be improving, was actually good last year. I mean, even two races back, which which doesn't look great on paper, you lose to Hot Rod Charlie, Midnight Bourbon, and American Revolution, who came back with two monster buyer race my buyer figures in races after that. So my thought was, hey, this horse is, has won at Churchill, is good at the distance, has got, run against good horses, it has Cox, second off the layoff, better price, let me take a shot. Olympiad. He's he's a monster. I guess the only thing with him that you would hope if you're trying to beat him is he hasn't beaten the best competition. So he hasn't raced against those top notch handicap horses yet. So maybe maybe he's vulnerable. And I think the most interesting thing just in general, not to get into the horses, but you have sort of Olympiad, the new blood, Folsom and Wayburn sort of up and comers, maybe. And then the really the, the really um Happy Saver and Max Player, who are who have such the credentials in the back class, so it just makes for a real interesting race. You know, crossing those those three categories against each other. Uh, guys, I'm going to go a little a little bit different here. I I agree with everything you said about Olympiad. All you guys, I have nothing to add with Olympiad. I this is the kind of horse, by the way. And I, Frank, I don't know if you feel this way from a contest perspective. I, I wish there was a lot more early speed or reasons because this would be a horse I'd try to completely play against normally. But, I mean, he, he just broke the track record last time. He has no knocks in this race. He figures to get another perfect trip. So I agree with what you guys say. Where I disagree with you guys, and no one even has them in the top three, shame on you guys. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. Listen, i got to give a little bit of crap here. I, I like the fresh – I think Wayburn is fascinating here, and I'll be very brief, and I'll go ahead and full screen here. Um Wayburn, you know, was was pretty good last year as a three-year-old. Not great, but good. Um, he ran well in the wood, but, you know, that was a slow race. Almost beat Mandaloon at the Pegasus. Um, and then throughout the Pennsylvania Derby, he was up too close, and I think he just – it wasn't his day. I love what I saw at Gulfstream. I didn't – to be honest, he's been working well, but I really didn't love him that day. The fact that he came off the layoff going seven furlongs, which is a tricky distance – he won well, and this horse has got a huge stride. I love what I saw from this horse. He's got tactical speed. I like Gaffleone. I don't think distance is an issue, guys. It's only a mile and 16th. I see no reason why this horse can't two turns. For me, you've got other horses coming off a layoff. Like, I'm totally against Max Player. It's amazing. This horse is 5-2. and two. None of us have him in the top three. I think this horse, this, this seems like a prep, guys. I'm sure you all agree for something longer. I mean, he's not a mile and 16th horse. So I'm totally against Max Player. I think Weyburn is going to sit a great trip, either possibly on the lead if they just let him go, or maybe just sitting off Olympiad. I think he's improving. This is my horse, ladies and gentlemen, that could upset Olympiad. I have Weyburn as a B, as in boy, right now uh, in this race. And then also, uh, just very quickly, I agree with you guys. I've, I have Happy Saver in third because I think Happy Saver can get a shorter distance. I'm a little against Folsom because I think, number one, I think he's going to be a little bit wise guy kind of horse in this race. And number two, I don't know if you guys watched the replay of last race. That was a very fast pace, and it just completely fell apart. He ran very well, no question about it. This is a totally different pace scenario. I don't think this is going to fall apart, and this is a much, much tougher spot. I respect what you guys are saying on Folsom. I, just, I'm, I think last time was the time. 
So anyway, that's my opinion. Hey, Howard, Paul, two you want... things. Go ahead, yeah. Paul. One, I did have Weber in third, so you're – uh, I greatly uh, apologize. My, my apologies, sir. The teacher on not using waiver and is misplaced. <laughs> and two, uh, I had in my notes better at one turn question mark. And if you look at his three wins, they're all at one turn. So uh, we're talking about waiver. He's run creditably at two turns. Has not won at two turns. So, uh, but I okay. did have him third, and I think he's better at one turn. Um, I, I have, I absolutely can't argue with that. Uh, we certainly bred to get two turns, honestly, but that's very, that's a very good uh, point. Uh, gentlemen, I think, I think that's, that'll take care of race seven, a real nice, uh, race. Let's go on to the next race. We go ahead and switch a few things here. Let me switch them. And by the way, our, uh, uh, my co-host and guests and I do not know each other's picks. So the minute I switch screens, I know they're going to be interested in seeing, let's see what they think of race eight and. Bam! There are the picks for race eight. Let me go ahead and switch uh, to race eight, and we're gonna let Frank go first here. Frank, this is the Edgewood Stakes. This is uh, one of the races that's on turf. It's a Grade Two. This is for the Phillies three-year-olds. There's another race for the boys three-year-olds uh, as well this weekend. It's a mile and a sixteenth. You see the field there. There's nine. Excuse me. Ten horses. It's hard to get all ten on there. Moyline favorite is the five Dulce Zell, a horse we've actually, for Chad Brown, one of two horses, excuse me, one of three Chad Browns. Uh, we've talked about this horse on the pod. We actually liked him last time. Do you like one of the Chads, or will it be someone else here, Frank? Yeah, no. It's We've seen this uh, game before. Chad Brown <laughs> has three, three in a race, and you know it's very possible he runs one, two, three here. But uh, of the three of his, I'm against Spicer. Um, I do like the five, uh, Dose Zell, um, the best there for Irad. And uh, uh, I'm going to try to play in this race. I'm probably going to play some exactas if the prices are right. And I'll, I'll have a big exacta, 5-4, the Amos horse, who, you know, his last couple races, both on a good turf and respectable. I think he's going to be a good number. So I'll play some exactas, a big 5-4, and then another 3-4 exacta. And uh, when Chad runs 1-2-3, I'll, I'll, I'll tear up my <laughs> tickets. But uh, but that's how I'll probably play the race. Frank, you just made the, the cardinal sin mistake. I want to congratulate you. You called the she a he. Great job. Oh, we, all, we, we all do it, Frank. That's okay. You can stay on the show. We all do it. Uh, I, I love the cre- I love your creativity, by the way, to break up the Chads. I think that's the only way you're really going to get value, right, Frank? Yeah, that's all I'm looking for. I'm trying to, you know, find something here at, uh, to make some money. I, I can't play Chad Brown, Chad Brown, Chad Brown, and uh, yeah, ever I would do that, even when I know they're running one, two, three. But uh, you know, so the four is the only thing that I found as a price that uh, might get some value to the race. Real quick, Frank, we are going to talk about our horizontal pick five. Would you use all the Chads in your pick five, or would you just use one or two, etc.? No, I in this uh, pick five ticket, I, I would be against Spicer here. Um, last time, I you know, it looked like he had everything his own way, and and uh, um, still got run over, you know, about by his the other Chad Brown horse, the five that I like on top. So I'd be using three, four, five in the pick fives here. Uh, but on okay. my main ticket, it would be the you know the three and the five probably. By the way, do you play caveman straight tickets or do you use ABC? Do you have ticket maker? What do you like to do if you play horizontally? If, if normally I'll make some, I don't always call them A, B, and Cs, even though in, I guess in my brain, they uh, my top picks, I'll, I'll play a lot heavier. But 
Um, normally I wouldn't spread a lot in pick fives because if I don't like a race, I'm not playing the race, whether if it's, if it's a pick five and I don't have an opinion, I just don't play the pick five. So usually mine are kind of caveman, but I'm usually never more than, you know, I'll go two singles by two by three by two, you know, that's kind of how I play and try to hit it multiple times. So I probably play it a lot different than most people. But, uh, if you talk to a lot of my buddies, uh, I kind of go for the kill a lot of times and not so much to uh, uh, just turn a little profit, which I know I should at times, but my brain doesn't quite work like that. <laughs> Sounds like a true contest player, uh, Jonathan <laughs> Kitchen style. I hear you. Yeah. Um, uh, Pete, you have a fascinating horse. You're going with the seven on top beach nut trophy. Yeah, I'm being stupid. I'm trying to beat all three Chad. So, you know, you know, that'll probably turn out sort of like Frank said, but my thought was again, I, with, when I looked at this horse, I thought they put this horse on turf. It has steadily, you know, the figures have been incrementally moving up ever since they went on the turf. Broke the maiden at this distance, then went a little shorter, looked pretty good. Then they stretched her back, stretched her back out to to this distance. And if you watch that race, so watching that one, because when you first look at it, you go, ah, eh, I'm not sure who she, you know, losing to that field maybe doesn't bode well for this race. But then if you watch it, had a really tough trip, was stuck on the rail. The four to five favorite actually died in her face. And then she had to swing wide um, and then had to shift out too in the lane. So I figure if this horse is, is good and improving and at the 10 to one morning line price, maybe we take a shot and beat one of the Chads or beat all the Chads. Yeah. She got shuffled back. This was uh, uh, a, a great idea by Justin Christine of trip note pros really liked this two horse. I have this day and we, we missed the shuffle back a little bit, but she did make a very nice run a uh, late. You see in the Ramsey colors there and probably would have won if she didn't get shuffled back on the turn. You see a very nice close there. And a bunched up uh, finish. And, and wasn't really all... running into a, you know, it wasn't really running into a hot pace or anything too. Yeah. So it's not like they were coming back. They were coming back to her. She was, she was making up the ground. So, so you see, see that the final, you know, yeah. the final, yep. I believe that's a three sixteenths of a mile time, uh, 29.3, the fastest closing uh, increment final quarter there. Well, actually, sorry, final, again, I believe it's uh three sixteenths of anyone in the field. And then you're going with uh five Dulce Zell and yeah. these uh and and the three McCulloch. Uh uh sorry, Paul, where are we going? Well Howard, you misnamed the race. You called it the Edgewood. It is the Chad Brown invitational. I'm sorry, uh, my bad. Uh as as Frank points out, you know, we've all seen this movie before. I went with the three on top. Um Chad, there's a bunch of stats on Chad. He's especially good in this circumstance off the layoff on a graded stakes on turf, 32%. Uh, I saw this horse break her maiden uh, at Saratoga. It was the day after the Whitney last year. She was a big favorite. Uh, this horse means a lot to Chad. Mary McCulloch was his bookkeeper when he first went out on his own uh, and was his longtime trusted bookkeeper who passed away. Three years ago, he was uh, waiting to, to, to get a good horse uh, uh, named uh, for her. Uh, so I, I think coming off the layoff, uh, she's my pick. And as far as the horizontals, I will give it no thought other than to just use all three Chads equally and move on, figuring one of them is going to win. I want to bring myself on screen. And, and Paul's finally came to his senses tonight because he agrees with me on the top choice. So congratulations. <laughs> just kidding. Um, guys, I love McCulloch, love McCulloch. My only concern is 
how is she how is she going to handle the wet turf, right? We I mean we we don't know, but uh, I'm not going to just because we're I want to move on with the time here. Um, her her maiden breaker was fantastic, and by the way, look at who she beat. Everyone, take a look at this now because it's important. I'll go full screen. She beats three next out winners. That was a loaded main race last year at Saratoga. Beat consumer spending. Who's that? Yeah, that's the horse that just beat Pizza Bianca a few weeks ago, right? So obviously, consumer spending, another Chad, is very good. Also beat Penny Saver, who is a, a nice dirt horse. I know that race was on turf, but anyway, that horse is, is a nice one. And then Skylerville is the other uh, next out winner. So uh, that was a loaded field. Now, what happened in her next start? We're not going to show the replay. Um, she got bumped a little bit at the start. She was pretty much wide the entire way, and it was a very slow pace, and she lost, but look how she was bet. I mean, she was bet like she couldn't lose. She still, I just want to show the stretch run just for everyone very quickly uh, because I think it's worth seeing. Uh, I'm just going to go right to the stretch run right now. So she's way out here. Look how, you can see how wide she is, and it was a very slow pace. Here's the horse that wins is, is up front, and she still runs on very well. You see she's in the back of the pack. She closes just as well as about anyone else here. And I also wanted to show you the gallop out real quick. She's still coming. I know you're saying for a you know one to five shot, this is not very good. And I understand what people are saying. But again, watch the gallop out here because to me that does matter. I mean, look at this. She, she's already past the field way past the field here, and she was way far back. It was completely against the flow, blah, blah, blah. Here's the last thing I want to say, and this might be the most important thing, and I know Pete and Paul know this. Uh, Frank, I'm a big works guy. I have XBTV. I don't know if you you know see the works on XBTV or whatnot. Um, McCulloch has been completely outworking, and I saw the works, guys. This is not uh, you know someone told me or, or I just looked at times. I watched two of McCulloch's works down in Florida. She has been completely outworking a horse called Limperator. And if you don't know that horse, that is a stake horse uh, for Chad. So she's been outworking an older uh, a mare that's a stakes horse. I think this horse has monster upside. I would love 7-2. to two. All right, there we go. If she's ready, I think she's a winner. She's got to handle the wet. Let's move on, guys. I apologize for going on so long. But this is one of my stronger opinions of the day, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, Josie Zell obviously can win. That would be my other one. Uh, let's go on to the next race. Race nine. I'm going to switch my uh, picks here on this, or everyone's picks. There's the picks on the bottom of the screen. Race nine. We're going to start with uh, Pete Visco is going to kick us off here in race nine. This is the eight bells. Every time I see the eight bells, I get excited. I think you guys know why. I'll, I'll wait to talk about it uh, when it's my turn. It's a grade two. It's for restricted for three-year-old. Uh, Phillies, they're going a very tricky dis distance of seven furlongs. Uh, Pete, you're going with the eight. Sorry, there's the field. I apologize. Moin line favorite is the eight. Matarea, I believe, for Brad Cox, it's pronounced. That's who you're going with, Pete. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, not not too exciting. Five to two favorite, but I mean, you have the connections. You have Cox and 
and Pratt. And I just like this horse. I thought uh, just looking at just looking at the form and the figures, I mean, this horse really took a leap from two to three going from being in the in the mid to upper 70s, low 80s. Now pops a 91 and 94. So for these connections too, you know that that's just something there's improvement going there. And even the last race of last year, look, I mean, yeah, second by eight to, to secret oath, but still the only horse that beat her is, a, is sort of a monster. And then I think this one could just sit off the speed and sort of pound. So hopefully just be real tactical, get a nice trip, maybe sit second, third and just pounce and, and sort of, sort of beat this field. This one was, I was considering this one as a potential single. I definitely like some other horses. So would probably have sort of a B ticket and go a little deeper just in case she gets beat at a low number. But I do like this horse on top. By the way, this five to two ain't happening. I mean, no, no chance. This horse has, no chance. The, right. These, uh, here we go, Paul. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, this horse got a 91 and 94 buyer, which sort of towers over the field. And she's going to be five to two with Pratt and Cox. Okay. Sure. Why not? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's almost like I want you to talk about the weather just so you stop talking about the morning line. All right. The well, but you know what, though? In, the weather talk is incredibly boring. <laughs> You know what, though? I think Frank made an excellent point. I mean, if, if people don't think the morning line makes a difference, especially in horizontally, especially horizontally, it absolutely makes a difference. Uh, Paul, talk about your top choice, sir. Well, speaking of uh, obligatory, Howard, we know that obligatorily you will talk about obligatory in the eight bells. I will. I, I think this race could have a similar flow. I really think this race might fall apart. Totally um, agree. Uh, I have in my notes, meltdown, comma, i.e., obligatory. <laughs> so um, I'm always looking for a turn back at seven furlongs anyway. And yep. I came up with the four, the California horse. Uh, coming out of the Senate, Anita Oaks, uh, you know, Desert Dawn is flying under the radar in the Oaks later on the card, but some, you know, some people like her, but. Uh, by all accounts, it was not the strongest Santa Anita Oaks, but uh, it's still a, a, a major three-year-old race, a, a, a major prep for the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, this horse turning back, Tyler Gaffleone. Uh, I have no idea if the morning line is good, bad, or ugly, but I, I know, you know, she's got to be at least eight to one. I think uh, down from a twelve to one morning line, and and I think there's legitimate. There are some knocks against the other horses. Um, you know, the three is going to be tough, five for five, going one turn. Pete talks about the eight. Obviously, the eight is formidable. But uh, in a sequence where you might not have a lot of prices, uh, I, I'm going to take a, take a stab that this might be the race we get a big number home. Hey, Howard, what, can I just throw one since we haven't Wait. had any stats yet on this one? <laughs> Absolutely. One, one, Jump one, in here. one stat for the four there that Paul's going to be mad at me for. But I saw D'Amato is two for 51 on the win end shipping to Churchill. So, again, I know, I don't know what that means, but that's a relatively decent sized number. So that was because I yeah. like this horse, too. And I like this horse on the to hit the board potentially. But that scared me a little bit on the win end, aside from the fact that I think it needs to improve a bit to to probably beat this field uh frank you have you have a horse on top that uh paul likes in second pete likes in second also i actually don't have on my ticket so maybe i'm completely wrong here because you guys are excellent wouldn't be the first time would not be <laughs> he, the listen <laughs> listen take it easy take it easy out there he's feeling his oats out, out to, on the east coast uh frank talk about gerrymander 
Yeah, I, I think the eight is going to be way less than morning line, five to two. Everybody's right yeah. there. Um, so anybody else in the race is going to be big value, I think. Um, and not that I'm against Matarea, um, but there's a lot of speed signed up here for sure, in my opinion. And I'm not quite sure that this horse wants to pass a lot of horses, you know, yet. And, and at a real, real short number, I'm going to take a chance against uh, definitely the most talented horse, but gerrymander, you know, a Chad Brown again. And uh, I'll preface this by saying the next time I cash a bet on Joel Rosario will be my first in my life. Wow. Um, and, th and that's not very good because he wins so many races and so many big races. But when we get to the next race, uh, uh, it's going to happen again, unfortunately. But gerrymander chad brown working great and uh, i think this horse is going to get the trip and um again i'm not a big work guy but a lot of bullets in there working real yeah. fast and i'm just hoping that uh, this is a meltdown if it's a meltdown you know i'll be spreading here in my pick five ticket um using five six nine ten in my yeah. plays there but the six will be my you know i'll have pressure on my pick five ticket with the with the six here for sure i want to bring up a trip Racing Don when you're exactly right. I, I probably I need to change this on the channel, and I would. I've been sort of touting this as the late pick five. What I mean is really the all-stakes pick five, the, the big pick five that ends in the Oaks. But Racing Don when you are correct. There is another pick five that ends the last five races of the card. So I just wanted to tell everyone we are handicapping you know, races 7 through 11. If you want to call it the middle pick five, that's fine. It's the major pick five of the day. But Racing Don when is correct. There is another pick five at the end of the card. Um, I, I love your thought here, guys, on gerrymander. Uh, Frank, this is definitely a spread. All right, here we go, guys. Now, I'll be brief, uh, but I got to toot my own horn a little bit. If you're new to the show, last year in the eight bells, I touted obligatory, and I talked about obligatory a good 10 minutes. I mean, I love this horse, and I got lucky. Everything worked out. She won at 16 to 1. It was my best score um, at that point on my relatively new podcast, and I, I uh, got a lot of people some money, and I was really happy about it. Um, of course, I, I could, I've been wrong many times after that, uh, just like anyone. But obligatory was a really – I for the first time in a long time, I was, like, standing up, fist-pumping, really because I was happy for everyone else, really, not as much for me because I know a lot of people probably use obligatory. Are we ready for Howard's obligatory in the eight bells? And it is not a horse that anyone has mentioned yet. Here we go. I like the ten. I like the 10 sweet Danny girl, who, by the way, is not going to be 16 to 1. Sorry, everyone. Not going to be 16 to 1. Here's my quick thoughts on sweet Danny girl. Um, look at her first two starts when she was sprinting. Uh, and she was a two-year-old, right? 84, 86, closing well, doing it well, absolutely no knocks. You got to love everything about it. By the way, for the aforementioned uh, Carl Vacareza, uh Frank, so maybe if he wins this race, he'll be going back to his own restaurant and treating people for dinner. Now, after that, was up closer uh, on November 27th. I don't know why, but that's not the way that she wants to be ridden. In the Devona Dale, I'm not going to show the replay, again, was up close, going a mile, off the layoff against Kathleen O, and still ran on well. Guys, here's my thought. There is a lot of early speed in this race. This reminds me so much of last year. Take a look at what we got here. Pretty Birdie has to go. Right, everyone? Has to go. 
She's going. Yep. What is Marissa's lady going to do from the inside? She has to go, right? Um, Ain't Easy, I think, is an interesting horse. She's going to take back. Wicked Halo is not slow. Her best races are on the lead. I think she's got to be used early. Um, La, La Vu, uh Desert, or Desert, whatever, I don't know, Desert probably. Um, she's got some early speed. Matarea, I completely agree with Frank. I know that she looks obvious, but what I've noticed is she's gotten two perfect trips just off the lead in slow paces. And guys, I don't think she's going to be sitting off a slow pace this time. In fact, I'm, I almost guarantee she's not. So I expect her to regress. Maybe she'll just win by 10. I don't know. I believe Sweet Danny Girl, if written correctly, is going to be taken off the pace, is going to make a monster close. I love the one-mile prep for this. Danny, uh, Sweet Danny Girl, 9-1, to one, your eight bells winner, go to the bank. Anyone else want to, anyone of you guys want to chime in before we move on? Can Tell I, me I'm can, wrong. Can I poo-poo one thing for you real fast? You know that I do like it. to do. Poo, I like poo-poo to... all over me, Pete Visco. Just, just, <laughs> like, I don't think that's going to get us more viewers. Keep talking about that. <laughs> the, the, the one stat I had was, was yeah. poor, poor Carlo is 0 for 12 wins and in the money in any graded stakes race. Now, I don't think this is like a top-notch graded stakes race by any means. But again, just something to point out that people can use as a data point. Uh, Paul or Frank, I mean, you, any, does this shot, does this horse have a shot or you just don't like her? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you a little bit. The only problem that I'll, I'll go against what you're saying is I don't think there's any chance at all that Jose Ortiz wants to sit and take back with any horse, unfortunately, you know, a different rider. I think I might, but I think, you know, he's always seems to be going on uh, from the outside post. I don't think he's going to want to take back, but I definitely think this horse is going to run better than a lot of people think, in my opinion. The only problem I'm having, and I don't know if you guys have watched Churchill for the first three days, I'm a little skeptical that it's playing not so much front, but a little bit more inside. And to make any sweeping, even three-wide move, those horses for the first three days have been flattening out real, real bad to me. And I'm talking about some real strong chalks that I think should have ran better. Um, and I know we're going to get some rain, so things could change. But uh, that's something that I watch for all week. Uh, you know, I didn't bet much today because I want to learn Churchill. But uh, I'm a little leery of some of my plays later in the weekend that uh, if the track plays the way it is. I might have to downgrade some stuff, unfortunately. Wow, that's interesting. I, th- that's very interesting. I appreciate those thoughts. Uh, guys, we, we're planning about half an hour more in the show, so let's uh, move on. Uh, we're gonna go ahead. We're gonna go ahead into the penultimate race of the not late pick five, but of the all stakes pick five, the major pick five. Let me pull this up on screen. This is the race before the Kentucky Oaks. It is race ten, and boy, is this a complete total cluster. Of course, it's a turf sprint. It's the Twin Spires turf sprint stakes, grade two. Uh, going off at about 4.51 Eastern Standard Time. It's a big field. You see I scroll down the field here. The mowing line favorite is the number 10, Arrest Me Red, for Ward and Ired Ortiz at 4-1. to Pete, I'm going to have you go first. We can see the picks that are on the screen. We are very different, all of us in general, because this is just a very tough race. Uh, Pete, you like, as I'm just waiting, 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 the 10, 
Just like me. Just like a you. Recipe rat. That, that very rarely happens. Yeah, it I mean, does actually. Although, if you, <laughs> when we get to our pick six, pick five tickets, I have I have quite the spread in the ticket that I sent you. So, this was one where I think I texted you earlier. I was like, "This race is a monster. It's just a beast because it's so." E- if Golden Pal, it's only missing Golden Pal, then we would have the the runaway winner. But in this one, it's it's just so wide open to me. So I went with a recipe red. I just thought this horse was. You know, you have Wesley Ward, who's really good second off the layoff. This horse is two for three at the distance, wins three for three in the money, should be part of the speed. So should be should be able to work out a, a decent trip, even from the 10 hole. Um, lost last time out actually was sort of against his normal style. So he was he was sort of off the pace. And and I thought when I watched that race and, and it's not like he lost to a bum. Yes, I am free is a, is a pretty good improving horse. And I watched the race and I just thought the ride by our by Irad was just a little it was a little passive and wasn't overly aggressive. I thought he had holes yeah. and he just didn't take advantage of them. And I thought he could have. And I mean, when you have the even money favorite, that's the thing that pisses you off. If you had that horse as the favorite is you're like, you know, you, you should run like you're the best horse in the race. And I didn't think he did that day. So I'm hoping he just comes back and. He's been working pretty well for, you know, second time off the layoff. It's always just a strong angle because this horse should really be fit. And if you look back at those those last two races from last year's popping the 195 buyers, I think those are those are near the top of this field and puts him right in contention. I just want to uh, bring us all back real quick. Just to let everyone know, I've been touting a surprise guest. Uh, this person is coming on very soon. So if you're listening, watching, whatever, I do have a surprise guest. Even the guys on screen do not know this person will be coming on to help us out with the uh, Kentucky Oaks. So this person will be coming on literally in about five or six minutes. Uh, let me go ahead and back. Um, let's go to uh, let's go to Paul. Paul, you've got the two on top. A horse that I've actually chased a few times. I'm not really sure what to do with him here. The Learjet for Brendan Walsh. Yeah, I, I'm. You know, I agree with everyone as far as how difficult the race is. On my ABC play at this point, I have six of the thirteen, and I suspect yeah. I'll be using at least that. You know, I really don't have an excuse for the shake of town. The, the horse didn't break; it never really ran a step. It's obviously not a good sign that Tyler leaves for uh, the Cox horse next door, Caravel, but. If you look at the Kentucky Downs race, which admittedly was an extra furlong, you know, a 92 uh, is puts you right in the mix uh, in this race. If, if you're playing, you know, if you're looking at numbers, uh, that Kentucky Downs race was off a little bit of a layoff. Uh, this is second off a layoff. Uh, Brendan Walsh had a, a pretty good Keeneland meet. Uh, he This is a good move for him, two off the layoff, and, you know, when I look at a race like this that's this difficult, um, I really am trying to get a price home. And uh, the Learjet will be one of my A's in this race. Um, you would assume that if the turf it comes up uh, very wet, that won't be a problem. I mean, she was racing in uh, – excuse me, he was racing in yeah. Europe, right? So, I mean, you'd figure. Yeah, he has a – you know, the, the juvenile turf uh, back in 20 20- – 2020 uh, was on a good turf at Keeneland, but obviously that's a stacked field, and that was his uh, first time in the U.S. and did not run well. But uh, and didn't actually didn't run well at Keeneland last race, so maybe yeah. a good turf isn't going to be good. Maybe I should listen to Howard and stop paying attention to the weather instead of complaining about Howard talking <laughs> about the weather. Yeah, you've got uh, we a lot of bigger numbers there. You've got uh, 
the three, and then you so you have Caraval in second, very speedy horse of Brad Cox, and then you have Arasmi Red in third. Yeah, uh, yeah I agree, Frank, with, agree with what you got what Pete had to say about Arasmi Red. I think he's pretty logical. Uh, I got him as a B right now, but uh, that's subject to change. He could get promoted if he studies hard between now and Friday afternoon. Okay. Uh, Frank and I have similar opinions with the eight and nine underneath. We just don't have – we have a completely different on top. And Frank is going with a West Coast invader, but has been on the East Coast at least once at Belmont. Uh, Gregorian chant for D'Amato, who – what is it, uh, Pete, two for 51 at Churchill so, or whatever it is? No, I yeah, doubt that. No, yeah. I doubt the great Frank Mustari is going to let that bother him, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Frank, tell us about Gregorian chant. Yeah, no, that won't let that won't bother me one bit. Uh, uh, those kind of stats, uh, some people look at them. I really don't take it into account. But um, yeah, this uh, this is my chance, in my opinion, to make a big score. Um, uh, I am playing Rosario again, and like I said ten minutes ago, I guess if I'm right in race nine with Rosario, the chances of me winning with him twice in a row is next to near impossible. So. I'll preface that, but I just really, really like Gregorian Chant. I'm hoping Rosario gives me a ride where he could break mid-pack and not do like he likes to do in grandstand and come from last here. And I think if he breaks mid-pack, I do not like the speed horses here at all. I, I think that all of them, in my opinion, are horses that need to be loose on the lead to run their best. And I don't think anybody's going to get that. Um I know you well, guys just are real quick. I, I just want to speak to that. I mean, Caravel, I don't know if Caravel needs the lead, but a lot of the horses you mentioned, you know, chasing Artie is the speed horse. The real speed is on the outside. Frank, I just want to bring this up for the viewers who might not be aware. I mean, you got, you got uh, a Rusty red is quick. Uh, just might is tailing off has to have the lead. Johnny Unleashed ran a huge race out of nowhere last time, but basically just followed the best turf sprinter in the world, probably in Golden Pal. So uh, I, I think you're right. I think I think uh, Guru and Chen just might work out a great trip from the inside. Yeah, so if, if this was the old three, four years ago and it was the big derby contest on one of my entries, I would be close to all in on day one uh, wow. on this horse. That's how strongly I feel about it. Okay. Um, and uh, so it'll be he'll be a big win bet for me. I'll use the eight and the nine with him. Uh, again, as you can see, I think those are going to be, you know, horses who are going to close. I'm looking for the race to really fall apart. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that I get that 10 to one on Gregorian chant because it, uh, it'll be my chance to make a real, real nice score going into uh, Derby Day. Oh, for sure. Well, good luck with Gregorian chant. I think you've gained some. Uh, some new fans here on the show. They're definitely going to be using Gregorian chant. I, I'm similar to Paul. I just want to mention, I do have a Gregorian chant as a B right now. In fact, I have eight, count them, eight A and B horses. I think this is absolutely ridiculously wide open. Just very quick, I like Arrest Me Red. Pete, I think you made a good point. That last race was a complete prep. Uh, he was sort of in between horses a lot too. It just wasn't a very comfortable spot. And if you're going Gulfstream 5 furlongs, you have to get a clean trip and or be like very close to the lead. It just didn't work out. Arrest Me Red is much better. Um, I do like Pyron, who we haven't mentioned. That 6-1 to one I think might come down because it's Pratt. Um, he's in fantastic form. If it is going to fall apart, Frank, I think Pyron might be the one to go with your growing chant. And then I've all respected Gear Jockey. I had him last year in the turf sprint at Kentucky Downs. He has not been great since. I have a feeling he might run better. Um, 
on Friday. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very excited to uh, talk about what's happening next. We have a surprise guest I've been touting uh, for the last few days. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time to talk about the Kentucky Oaks. This is, of course, the biggest race of the day on Friday. I was thinking, hmm, it's a big race day. There's a lot of money on the line. Who's been doing well? Who can maybe get us home? Who has some good thoughts? And there's only one person I can think of, and I'm very happy to call him a friend of mine. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present to you the 2021 BC BC champion, winner of over half a million dollars in the contest, Mr. Matt Miller. Matt, how you doing tonight? Uh, I can only imagine the disappointment as your viewers were expecting <laughs> something so incredible. Um, I was looking. So, I was looking for Chad Brown or Todd Fletcher. Sorry, Matt, but no, I, you're right. I'm a little disappointed. Hey, it had, to be, to, it had to be someone with no hair, though, or else you wouldn't have fit. I mean, you only fit this one on the on the bald side a bit. Paul show. was hoping it was Brittany Erton. Sorry, Paul, but we're working on that one. By the way, Paul, we're working on getting Brittany on. <laughs> Uh, but he's got no comment. No comment, right. Paul. Mute yourself. You're, yeah, mute you're yourself, working Paul. on it, and you're not doing that well, which means I may have to start working on it. Wow. I, I, listen, I sent her emails. What do you want me to do? She, actually, yeah, she is going to come on, but she's a little busy with the uh, Derby and Oaks. Yeah, anyway. this is a tough week for those. Yeah. For, yeah. Um, it's for all the famous people, so we bring on Matt. Matt, listen, first of all, congratulations for having us uh, – uh, for coming on the show, and, and congratulations, of course, to all your success. You've been on an absolute roll. Uh, for people that don't know, by the way, two NHCC2 picked up recently also for next year. Is that correct? That is uh, correct, and not too many swings, so glad to get that out of the way. <laughs> wow. I mean, absolutely on fire. Um, Matt, here's what we're going to do. And again, our, our, our uh, uh, Pete, Paul, and, and Frank don't know exactly the angle that we're going to go. We're going to talk about the Oaks guys for about 15 to 20 minutes here, and Matt, I thought you'd be a great person to have on because even though you have said on the Steve Big Show and other places, you are a self-proclaimed B-minus, that's right, B-minus handicapper, which is hard to believe, but you said it yourself. However, I know, you, you're too humble to say it, but I know, you are an A++++ money manager. So as we talk about the Kentucky Oaks, um, the reason what I'd like you to focus on, Matt, is the Oaks Derby Double. Now, Pete, Paul, and Frank, I don't know if you plan on playing the Oaks Derby Double. I'm going to let Matt just go ahead and talk about his Oaks Derby Double strategy before we actually get into the details of the handicapping. So, Matt, first of all, what do you like to do on these big days? And talk about your general strategy um, with doubles, because I know you like to play doubles in contests a lot. I'm assuming Frank will play a double once in a while also in a live money contest. Yeah, look, these are the days that I like. Um, I don't enjoy playing the game of guessing trainer intent. These are the days that everyone's pointing to. And so I just feel that there's a lot fewer variables than normal. You're going to see the best that these animals have and that these people have. Um, so these are fun days. At, at the same time, I do think the money management side is tough, uh, especially given that it's a two-day thing, a little bit like the Breeders' Cup, where... If you're playing the Oaks, uh, setting money aside for both days is difficult. It is the reason I actually love this double, not just this year, but in any year. This can really help you avoid putting a lot of money in the Kentucky Derby if you can help it. And, you know, 
in general, I think most of the time we try to bet a lot of money when we have a lot of confidence. I don't get a sense that there's a lot of confidence in this year's Derby. So if we can find a way to hook up a double where you don't have to put a whole bunch more money in, that would be terrific. Now, your general strategy, now it's a $1 bet. Let's just throw a number. I threw a number out to you a few days ago. Let's just say $100, which is probably a lot more than most people would play in this double. Let's just throw that number out there. In general, are you more likely to take a stand with these big fields and go like one by 10 and try to play it for $10? Or do you think it's better, Matt, to possibly spread and go, you know, maybe, you know, six by six and try to hit it only two or three times? I'll answer for Matt. He's making a $100 straight double. <laughs> I'll answer for him. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it, in fairness, it totally depends on the circumstances. So if I'm in a tournament, absolutely. I'm looking for maximum leverage and looking to maximize my strongest opinions. When it comes to playing cash, uh, it's tougher. And uh, you have to ask yourself what you're trying to do. I know that sounds like a simple question, but it's a question most people don't really have an answer to. When you're sitting with a large group of people and you're playing socially, you might just be trying to hit it. And it would be fun to be able to stand up and say, I hit the Oaks Derby double. In which case I'd say, yeah, you should be spreading a little bit more because maybe profits aren't your main motive. If your main motive is to make money, you have to focus on your opinions. And I think you have to tighten up where you need to tighten up. For me, and I'm sure we'll get to it, uh, for the Oaks this year, I only need two horses, at least in my opinion. One of them's not going to be a very popular pick. I think the other one will be popular. Uh, we'll, we can talk about how we weight those. Uh, but in the Derby, honestly, I really don't have much of an opinion. And so I'm going to go somewhat skinny, hoping to be alive to something pretty large. Being alive to something large will leave me tempted to bet very little after that. And so, like I said, my hope is to sit there more as a fan than as an active participant by being live to something. Uh, Frank, I'm going to let you chime in as the other, you know, major, you know, live money contest player here along with myself. I, I, I know that you like to, you already talked about it. You like to go skinny. You think, uh, although that's not probably as popular with the general public because people like to have a lot of skins in the game, a lot of horses, you would also recommend just to take a stand and try to hit it multiple times, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I think me and Matt are, you know, a lot on the same. We, we come from that contest world, and, and, and if you're going to have success in the contest world, spreading because of the limited bankroll is not going to get you there, you know. So you got to pick your best plays of the day, um, and I'm hoping Matt's going to give out his best play for the Derby so that when I get to that point against them, uh, I, I can, you know, I can have a little bit of – room to hedge know what he's doing so if he wants to share that we can do that man i'd appreciate it but uh but yeah that's exactly how i would do it too i i don't uh my live betting normal every day i don't really spread a lot uh, there's there'll be cases this weekend where i'll try to hit a superfecta for the craziness you know where i'm spreading a lot but typically i'm going pretty skinny and trying to you know take advantage of my strong plays all right, Matt, so let's just jump right in. Let's let, tell the whole world your your idea right now for the Oaks uh, Derby Double. And I think I'll go ahead and bring up – actually, I'm going to say – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on for the PPs because we're in a deep dive into handicapping uh, when you're done with your explanation, Matt. So we're going to hold off for the PPs just for now. Matt, tell us your strategy for the 2022 Oaks Derby Double this year. 
All right. So I know this first part will make you happy because I really do throw away the morning lines. So if you are tortured by these, you don't really have to think about them very hard. This is really a case where you have to start with your own value line or what you think the horse is worth. And it does require a little bit of math where you do need to do the parlay for yourself as you look at the horses you like in each race to make sure you're being paid appropriately. Uh, you might get surprised with who the favorite is in the next race as you look at the probables. But to me, it's absolutely critical. You have to get the right value for what you're looking for. And so for me in this Oaks, like I said, there are two horses in the Derby. You can go in so many different directions that my choice in this particular year, you know, someone will, some will look at it as somewhat of a cop out. So I'll get to the Derby first, I guess. Uh, I have found comparing this year's preps to be darn near impossible. And so I'm going to take the approach that I would take in a typical year of the NCAA tournament. If you just close your eyes and you pay no attention to basketball all year long, and then you have to fill out a bracket at the end of the year, you know pretty much that it's going to be Duke and North Carolina and Kansas and whoever. And it's amazing, even this year, that ended up being pretty accurate. And I'm just kind of making that up for this year. Uh, the Florida Derby every year seems to be extremely relevant in determining the winner of the Kentucky Derby. And so I'm just sticking with that. Uh, my picks are White Abario and Charger. And my hope is that this plays out like a typical year where that race remains extremely relevant. I know that a bunch of these preps ended up super sexy after that. And so people got drawn to all these different horses. Yeah, I'm sticking with the Florida Derby. Wow. Okay. Well, listen, those are two. We, we talked about both those horses yesterday. I especially think Charger is interesting. Who do you like in the Oaks, Matt, that you're going to pair up with? And then I want to show a, a very interesting graphic on the screen that I know Pete Visco is going to love because it gets into some interesting numbers. So, yes. Matt, who do you like? Who are you going to pair up with in the Oaks then? So, before the morning lines came out, uh, I wanted Nest, and I thought I'd be getting about 7-2. to two. I'm a little worried about value at this point because of the morning line and because of the impact that has. I also don't love the angle of playing a favorite whose odds are above its morning line odds. So this one's going to put me in a bit of a pickle, but I do still like the horse. I do still expect it'll be three to one, seven to two, something like that. Uh, the horse that I like the most, though, I am back to liking Echo Zulu. Uh, it was actually, for me, the start of my run in that Breeders' Cup last year. And I feel like it's just a good, solid contrarian play at this point. You've heard just so many people against the horse, whether they're questioning the distance or the surface or the wet. This horse shows up every single time. I'm not too worried about the other speed. I just can't imagine that they're, you know, again, this feels a little bit like last year's Breeders' Cup. I was just going to say. <laughs> I don't believe that every speed duel materializes. And I'm just not convinced that yep. these two horses are going to beat each other up real badly. And I think Echo Zulu is going to be well positioned top of the stretch. And we'll see what happens from there. Boy, does that sound so much like your Nick's Go thought. Uh, and by the way, people don't know, last year Matt went all in in the last race of the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. On, on Nick's go and ended up basically winning the tournament uh, because of that. With that exact same thought, and I mentioned to these guys uh, uh, 
uh, was it yesterday or two days ago, when we were talking about the Oaks horses a few days ago, um, the pace scenario when there's only two major speeds, if one of them doesn't break, if somehow Echo Zulu outbreaks Yuguri, the, the one inside of him, Matt, um, I don't think it's impossible. Now, I've got something very interesting on the screen that, again, the guys on my screen don't even know about. I think this is fascinating. So let me go ahead and bring this up here. What you're seeing here for everyone, I'm going to go full screen for everyone to see. Uh, this is, you can see on the top, this is what the double actually paid versus the parlay. Of course, here are the years it goes up. Here's the win payouts for the horses in the Oaks and Derby. What you see right here is the parlay. For those of you who don't know what the parlay is, that means what the double should have paid. And this is for $2. So, for example, last year, if you go strict, strictly by the win odds, the, the, the $2 double should have paid $91.70 and ended up paying $95.80. Therefore, the actual payout was 4.47% higher than it should have been. And you look, there's some fascinating things. I mean, look at 2019, 39% higher. The one I thought was, look at 2016, everyone. Catherine Sophia with Nyquist, it should have paid uh, 37. It paid 58. That was 56% uh, percent higher than it should have. So, Matt, when you saw this stat, what what did you glean from this? What do you think we should learn from this uh, page here? Well, so there's a couple things. One possible accounting for some of the difference is just the fact that there's only takeout once on a double. I recognize that the takeout on win bets is smaller than doubles, but that could account for a little bit. Uh, otherwise, I think what I get from that is these pools aren't perfectly correlated and there is variance. And yeah, like I said, you have to look at the probables and the value you're getting. Crazy things could happen in the way the Derby gets bet. You know, huge, huge people come in with win bets that could alter the odds somehow. So I hear. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, like I said, I, this doesn't to me, tell. it certainly doesn't talk me out of the double. If anything, it tells me, you know, you might be able to get a little juice out of it. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I sent you something. Can you uh, let me just tell everyone? Mattress Mac is going to put somewhere around three million dollars uh, on on the Derby. What he thinks is the favorite. He said today, uh, at courtesy of Horse Racing Nation, want to give them credit. Mattress Mac said today through Horse Racing Nation that he's mainly going to look at the double will pays to, on Friday to determine who he's going to put the three million dollars on Saturday. So Matt. Uh, that obviously would tell everyone that the value might be in the double and not on the wind end for the horse you like in the Derby, correct? That certainly would lead to that, yeah. Pete, any thoughts that you know that Matt had said or if you looked at that screen, anything that stood out to you? I'll go ahead and bring that back in case uh, for people to see. No, I think it's interesting, though. I think I think to a little bit to Matt's point maybe is, too, that because a lot of people who, you know, these obviously these two days, especially Saturday, but both days are sort of you get people out of the woodworks who don't necessarily bet horses that much. So maybe they're more inclined to make win bets as opposed to looking at, you know, sort of especially like an Oaks Derby double. It's not something that jumps out to the average horse player. They might not even know that it exists. So they're putting their money. A lot of this extra money is going into the win pool and maybe not into the double pool, which is why I agree that that's definitely a, a good place to look. And, and as long as you have access and you're able to look at the, you know, the projected payouts, then definitely look for value there. 
Uh, Paul, any quick thoughts before we get into the handicapping of the of the Oaks uh, in terms of the double or anything that Matt mentioned? No, I think the the searching for value is a point well taken, and and I think it takes a a lot of discipline, which is probably why I have a hard time with it, Matt. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, you you just have to be you can't get married to your own opinions, and uh, you know those of us who are half Irish and half Italian uh, and stubborn. Uh, have a hard time divorcing our own opinion. But, you know, and I think Matt Nest is a really good example. And who knows if, if this morning line is good. Uh, I have him as an A in, in my ABC scenario. But, you know, would I be in a hurry to bet him at five to two or, or lower? Absolutely not. You know, I'm, you know, we'll talk about the Derby tomorrow. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, I was in on Zandon a long time ago, you know, when when the bandwagon wasn't quite as full as it is now. You know, fortunately, I do have a small future bet on him. I have some exactas. You know, am I going to bet him if he's five to two in, on Saturday? You know, certainly not on the win end. You know, I, I may be playing him in tries and supers and vertical plays. So um, the double, you know, like you do have the advantage of having those probables and not everyone is going to pay attention to the two-day double, whereas, you know, on a given day with the rolling doubles now, people might be more in tune. So uh, I think those are points well taken. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, I'm kind of with Frank. You know, you, if you can find something you like in one of, one end of it that you can really hit hit it hard with the horses you like and, you know, maybe spread a little if, if, if your horse is a price and, and try to get a, a number home. But, you know, take advantage of your opinions. Well, and just one quick point to make is just think how many think how many times you go to the track with a strong opinion about the last race in the day and how many times you get to the last race in the day without a dollar in your pocket left to bet on. <laughs> and so it really is the money management aspect of this that I find so appealing. If you can hit the oaks, you know for a fact that you're alive in the derby. That's a big deal. It's going to save your entire day. Um, I just want to answer yeah. Leo's question, then Matt will let you uh, have your final say and then leave the show. I know you have some things you have to do this evening. Leo, um, and Matt, you can speak to this. We actually talked about this earlier today. For the double, Leo, for the double, there are probable will pays. So you can look to see, for example, if you like Nest to Zandon, you should be able to look on your ADW and go into probables and look at the double will pays, and you should be able to see what it's approximately going to pay. Obviously, anything other than Outside of doubles, you can't do that. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, just be careful because the different ADWs mess with the units. And sometimes it's a $1 unit and sometimes it's a two. Yeah. You, you really have to be careful and disciplined with your math. The, the other quick thing I'll say, you know, and I, just to volunteer it, um, my own value line on these horses, I think I got, you know, like I said, three to one, seven to two on Nest, four to one on Echo Zulu. For me, in the Derby, it was 8 and 10 to 1 on White Abario and Charge It. And like I said, you, you need to do your math before you look at the will pay, or before you look at the probables. You should know what you want to see. You know, it should be somewhat of an automatic decision. And when you see the number being a lot lower, you can either get disappointed or you can ask yourself whether other people are seeing the same thing. And perhaps that makes your opinion stronger. I'm not sure that's the wisest strategy, but it's a way to look at it. 
Well, we're going to go about about 15 minutes more. Frank, I hope that's okay. As you decide we're going a little late. Do you guys have any questions for the BCBC champion before we uh, talk about uh, handicapping the Oaks? No. No no questions. All right. Matt, uh, any final thoughts about uh, uh, this weekend or anything you want to say to the uh, wonderful audience that we have here tonight? Uh, Frank, good to see you again. Always good to see another Chicago guy. Uh, Pete and Paul, you've been a great addition to the show. Nice to meet you. Hope to see you again. Thank you. And Thank you. Howard, anytime. You bet. Thanks, Matt. Have a great night and good luck to you uh, this weekend in the Oaks and the Derby. Take care. Right, good luck Thanks this weekend, Matt. Take care, Matt. Good luck. All righty. Matt Miller, great guy. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get to the uh, – whoops, sorry, I want to do that. Let's get to the handicapping of the race again. We'll, we'll go relatively quickly. We've talked about all these horses. If you missed the show, go back and look. Oh, geez, I'd have to – was it episode 133 or 32? I'm losing the, the days. But anyway, go back a few episodes, and we exclusively, the second half of the ap- episode, talked about all these Oaks horses, which is why we're not going to spend half an hour right now going through the race. You see the field right there. The Moyne Line favorite, as been discussed, is Nest at 5-2. to two. And Frank, as our uh, guest tonight, I'm going to let you go first. We see the picks at the bottom of the screen uh, coming up here. Frank Mustari, who are you going with in this year's Kentucky Oaks? Well, before I forget, Howard, when you talk to Matt again, I wish I would have asked him this question. And he, he, <laughs> he likes Echo Zulu, but I would have liked to ask him. He didn't bring up Hidden Connection at way bigger price and they ran neck and neck last time you know so i'm a i I always like to hear like why would he not like hidden connection maybe he just didn't say it but i probably should have asked him but that's something i would like to ask him why he didn't bring that up i can answer that question in general he feels about echo zulu similar to he feels like nick's go where there's supposed to be some crazy speed duel friday he thinks echo zulu is, is a very talented animal and just thinks that he might get loose or she might there. I did it. She might get loose <laughs> and that she might not be fully respected, Frank, because people are going to think and jockeys that she'll fall back eventually. And she might actually get loose. So that, that, that was, uh, and he hates losing with horses at wires fields like I do. So anyway, that, that was his yeah. thought. Uh, who, yeah, no. who do you like in the Oaks, Frank? Yeah. I, my only question mark in the race, and I'm still deciphering this and, and Matt, who I respect, a ton obviously with his success in contest the echo zulu hidden connection race last time out i don't know what to make of that race actually um if i can convince myself one way or the other my top choice is kathleen o and kathleen o is a horse that uh playing the gulf stream circuit um any horse that does what kathleen o has done several times in a row at gulf stream you know, B4 wide. Now, again, she is a wide horse, and that's a little bit of a negative, I think, uh, typically. But anybody who can make and consistently make that four wide move at Gulfstream and just keep on coming and finish up like she looks like she wants to keep on, keep on going, to me, that just shows a, a true superstar. Um, so that's why that's my top pick. Um, I do respect Echo Zulu. Um, and Hidden Connection both. Uh, I still got to decipher if I'm going to be using those significantly with Kathleen O. But right now, I'm a big Kathleen O. Uh, Goddess of Fire is my price in the race, and and next is another horse. But um, unless something changes, I'm going to be a, a Kathleen O, Goddess of Fire, uh, big exacta here, and, and start my double off uh, using both of those. Um, going forward to the Derby 
and Kathleen O will be the one that I really have a lot of pressure on, uh, almost as a single going into the Oaks Derby doubles. Sounds like a true fan of Gulfstream Park, but but listen, these are really good horses. Frank, uh, I'm sure you've seen this race. I'll let you talk through the replay. This is the stretch run. Goddess of Fire on the outside taking the lead and really making Kathleen O work very hard to the wire. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and, and this is what I always uh, think about things is, you know, some of the Goddess of Fire who, you know, up on a pace, not a real fast pace. So I expected that one to keep going. And right here, I'm not sure I would want Kathleen O when you're watching the replay again. Yeah. But she just keeps on grinding and grinding and wears them down. And then when she, you know, gets by the horse, she she goes again. When he asked her to run right here, she gathered the leader pretty quickly and, and runs by. And that gap to third, you know, is just, the, I don't even know how, 15, 20, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But these two, to me, are definitely, definitely, you know, strong plays for me. And and and, and I will say, Howard, it's not just a Gulfstream thing because no, in, the der- in the Derby, <laughs> I, don't li- I don't like the Florida Derby contenders. So I disagree with Matt on that. So... When it comes to the last race in the Derby, <laughs> we won't be uh, trying to outbet each other because we're on different animals the way it sounds. But uh, By the way, it was 17 and quarter lengths back to third. But frankly, these horses up behind are not very good. I right, that's right, they're not very good either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So. Okay, so he's going with uh, Kathleen O, a very talented horse. Uh, Paul Halloran, who do you like in the Oaks? Well, Howard, I find myself... <laughs> In, in a situation here where I can come up what I think is a legitimate knock on all the logicals, which leads me to someone very illogical, the 13, Shahama. Uh, Todd Pletcher uh, t- does very well in this race. So I'll talk about Shahama first. And obviously it's a, you know, four for four. So that's not a mystery. Now, I, I mentioned the other night, the horses she's beaten have not come back to win, so that's a negative. But, you know, this horse is running in Dubai. It's a Kentucky-bred horse that was sold in Ocala, and, you know, who knows why they they decided to go to Dubai with her. But, uh, you know, looking at the logicals, Secret Oath, even though it was against the boys, they crawled home in that race 26-3 and three for the last quarter. Uh, I, I, I think that she might be a little over the top. Nest, uh, no real knocks, although I think the price is, is going to be way lower than it should be. And she did have a workout this week where she, at, at Churchill where she didn't really look that good. Echo Zulu, I respect what Matt had to say. I think that is a definite possibility. I still think if she has any contention up front at all, she's going to have trouble in the last 16th of a mile. And Kathleen O, uh, again, I respect what Frank said, but I don't know how great that field was. A horse has not worked that well, although Shug says she's not a great workhorse. Uh, I don't. I think she's maybe a little wider than you want to be. Uh, so, you know, I, I could see any of those horses winning. I'll be using all of them in my pick five, but I am going to take a swing here with Shahama. Uh, she's, she's interesting. She's been out working some of the other horses, you know, this, uh, in the morning. So I, you know, apparently she's not a great breaker. So I think she'll be coming from a little further back. That was according to, uh, Todd in Pratt, you know, I'm, I'm also, uh, you know, <laughs> if you watch the last race at Churchill today, I, I put a tweet out after the race. Uh, I said, having, uh, watching that race, having Pratt in the Oaks in Derby, I feel even better about it now. 
I'm getting help. all these. I, I'm okay. getting like texts and people like I I got a te- I got a, a a direct message or something today. Are you playing the pick five? I I'm, I'm so busy right now, everyone. I am not touching my wall until Friday. Just so whatever. No, I I have no idea what's happened to Churchill. I haven't watched a Churchill race. I'm just trying to get through the week with my wonderful math students and and my podcast and handicapping. I'm not betting a dime until Friday. Um, Pete, again, we, we're going to move along a little bit just because it's getting late, but I want to give you your just due. Your three top choices are the ones we've all mentioned, and you also have Kathleen O on top along with myself and Frank. Yeah, I'll try and go quick. So, Kathleen O, I just, you know, again, I've said it a million times. I'm here. I'm a sucker for a closer, and and she's one of the better ones we, we've we seen. And I, the one thing I did like about that race, just watching it live, I was just thinking – they're running this horse. It was almost like an old Zenyatta who's back on my wall back here, but where they, they were riding her like, Hey, we just want to keep her out of trouble. We don't care where she is wide last. We just want to keep her out of trouble. And she's going to roll by this field and goddess of fire is a good horse. I mean, I don't love her on top, but I think she's a good horse. So it's not like she beat all, you know, garbage in that race. So I just really yeah. like that horse. And I mean, seven to two is a little bit lower than I would have hoped for, but I mean, I think, think you can pass it up. And then, Nest, again, I think Nest is going to be a little bit closer. So even if Echo Zulu does get a little bit of a free lead, I think Nest is strong enough to sit in that second level, sit right off the speed, probably Echo Zulu and Ujiri, get first run, and then make that, you know, and and should be able to tackle that horse down the lane. And I have a lot more faith in Nest in that last eighth of a mile, 16th of a mile than maybe I do Echo Zulu. And then last to piggyback on my man, Paul, with Shahama, just watching, as we talked about a couple of days ago, I watched those four races and she was just really impressive. Again, she wasn't beating the best horses, but she sort of toyed with them, even though some of those distances, some of those wind margins don't look as big as maybe you would expect. But she really toyed with those fields. She seemed like she could come from the back. She can come from the middle. And one last point is a lot of times when these foreign horses come over for our dirt races, the trainer's foreign, the jockey's foreign. So everything is new. They're not used to how we train. They're not used to how the tracks are. They're not used to how to ride the horses in these sort of dirt races, different from the, obviously, when they come over for the turf. But now you have Pletcher, who's obviously one of the best, and you have Pratt, who's going to ride this horse beautifully. And this horse has been outworking Goddess of Fire a little bit, so at least you have some reference point. So those are the three top ones for me, and... I'm going to let that ride, but I might add, I probably have some bees or I'd go a little bit deeper, but um, those are the three on top for me. Uh, I have not too much to add everyone uh, who's listening tonight. Thanks again, everyone as we're going to be ending the show in about five minutes from now. We want to show uh, our pick five tickets and then we'll wrap it up. I'm I've, I have Kathleen on top. I agree with everyone that everyone has said. I think she's ultra talented. I am petrified that the pace is not going to set up for this horse because it just seems to happen to be a lot where, you know, it looks like there's enough pace. Maybe Kathleen O doesn't need a fast pace, by the way, either. That is also possible. The other thing I just want to mention, and I'm not going to talk about the weather, but Kathleen O did break her maiden on a wet track. So I just, we go look at the PPs. I just want to mention that. I'm very chalky here. I hate to do that. And it's such a huge race, but everyone knows I'm not afraid to go with the price horse. I've got Kathleen O on top, as you can see. I would put Nest on top. I don't like the 5-2 morning line. I think she's going to be maybe even 2-1. to one. And I'm not 100% sure the trip is going to work out. She's got hidden connection to her inside. She might be like in between horses. I mean, she got such a perfect trip 
uh, in the Ashland, although she ran tremendously. I don't think she towers over this field. She is there's no she should not be two to one or, or five to two. That's ridiculous to me. And then I've got Echo Zulu. Even though I don't like the horse, I don't think she's going to win. But I have to use her somewhere because if she does get loose. I had Serengeti Empress a few years ago, and everyone said that horse couldn't get the distance and win. And sure enough, I think she was like 11 to 1 when she won that race. So Echo Zulu is not going to be 11 to 1, but I'm just petrified of her somehow, you know, outbreaking Yaguri, getting the lead, and almost looking like complete idiots because we said this horse can't get the distance. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to bring on every, our pick fives. We're not really going to talk about them too much. I am going to leave them on screen for a good 10, 15 seconds if people want to write them down. Of course, you can watch the replays. There's my pick five. I agree with Frank. I'm singling Olympiad. Now, again, I'll be playing an ABC ticket. This is not the ticket I'm going to play on Friday. Uh, but if I were to play a caveman, I asked everyone for a sub 100. Someone didn't listen to me, but that's okay. No problem. We've got we got one ticket that's over 100 bucks. But I'm going to let it slide because it's Oaks weekend um, and Derby weekend. I've got my single is Olympiad. You can see I'm pretty spready after that. And I'm going uh, chalky in the Oaks. So I'm going chalk on the beginning, chalk in the end, hoping to get a price in the middle. Frank, just very briefly, uh, talk about how you'd put together. And look, like I said, Frank's going to pound this thing and hit it five times. You know, only 150. Frank, real quickly, uh, your your ticket here, sir. Yeah, same same thing as you talked about with singling Olympiad early, Kathleen Olate, and and pretty much exactly what you see there. I'll have that ticket a bunch of times, but then I'll have it even more times with Gregorian Chant as a single also. So I'll play that ticket a bunch, and then I'll throw out the eight and the nine, and I'll single Gregorian Chant. So I'll have three singles oh, wow. and then one spread, and then the, the, basically the Chad's in the other one. And uh, and I'll try to hit this thing, you know, multiple times. And that's, and that's I, how I play. That's just how I play. That's just how, how I do it every day. So this is not different, and then I, I like to, I don't like to have losing tickets, is what I always tell my friends. And and by spreading too much, there's a lot of losing tickets for me, and I don't uh, I don't like that. So when I'm right, uh, I'm gonna do do well. When when I'm wrong, I'm, I'm only gonna have a few losing combinations, I guess. Boy, I hope for you, Gregorian Chant wins. That's what we call a separator in the horizontal betting world, because very few people would think about singling Gregorian Chant. If that comes through, Frank, that'd be fantastic. Paul, uh, very briefly, talk about your pick five. So yeah, I went with the what I thought were the two logicals to start out: Olympiad and Folsom. Uh, in, in Chad, we trust in the second leg. My spread leg was the uh, third leg. I'm hoping to get ain't easy home. That's my price in the sequence or the six that uh, I think Frank liked as well. Jerry Manda, that horse could be a little bit of a separator uh, in the turf race. Uh, Caravel, who's kind of a logical, the 10, who you guys both like, but the two is my price there. The Learjet, I talked about him. And then I'm three deep in the Oaks uh, with Nest, uh, Kathleen O as a logical and my price play Shahama. But uh, I went 108. And if you guys would all donate two dollars each, and I put in two dollars, that that brings it down to only a hundred, and uh, I'll probably be more because I I can't go into the last leg and not be alive to my guy Ray Lou Howard. Three wins on the card today. Hottest jockey at Churchill Downs, Ray Lou Gutierrez. So that's uh, that's my play. Everyone donate to the channel. There's two places you can donate so we can get Paul's extra eight bucks so we can make this bet. 
Uh, Pete, Brian Sullivan pick- costs thirty-one fifty. He can certainly throw eight dollars <laughs> my way, and you can do that, Paul. Yeah. Forty dollars. Right between the two of us, we're still way under two hundred. So you can use up my budget. That uh, <laughs> all right, Frank? That we I have. love it. Yeah. Uh, Pete, go ahead with your ticket. By the way, Howard, you know yours was at a hundred, and you said sub one hundred. So for a math oh, teacher, that probably, you know, that's probably a shouldn't something you can let your students know. So I just wanted to put that out there to defend my man Paul. But oh. right, you know, you see it on your face. You know what? Let me ask. Let me ask. Now this is an honest question. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna detour for two minutes. Who cares? We got a lot of people watching. When you hear in baseball, when a team like wins and they say they're within two games of the lead, but they're at two. Like when they, when they're two games out, people say they're within two. I've heard that like a yeah. million times in right. my life. What's the difference between That's that right. and saying sub one hundred, Pete? There, drop the, the mic. Take that. Well, no, now, I remember how when I do words for a living, you do numbers. And Go ahead. The definition of sub is under. What about within? Is it within less than? Yeah, but they're not math teachers, so. But no, within, within two means two less than. Less. No. Yeah, no, no. I, would, I would. I agree with you, Howard. But that doesn't make you right on this ticket. I just, just yeah. within that's like you're inside the two. That's like one and a half. Anyway, <laughs> we're starting to lose people. Uh, <laughs> Pete, go ahead with your ticket. Yeah, not too much. I mean, this one went really thick in a few of the legs. Went with the five six to try and catch the price um, to, to try and catch Folsom and maybe beat Olympiad in the first one. And then we go a little thicker in the two. And hopefully, actually, my my play would be in that second leg where if the seven it can try and beat the, the three Chad horses, you can definitely give value there because there's no way those three horses aren't taking money. Then I singled the third leg, but that's one where I'll probably go deeper on sort of a secondary ticket, maybe use this one as a you know higher denomination, but go a little bit deeper in that third because it's kind of a wide open race. And then it's a free for all in the fourth leg. And then hope to get to Shahama, obviously in the in the Oaks, and really blow this ticket up. Me and Paul. Yeah, listen, that would be that would be tremendous for you guys if Shahama gets home. There's a few comments I want to end with uh, on the on the uh, chat here that I just want to throw out to end. Christine Race, Christine, uh, thank you very much. You always have wonderful comments. Really appreciate best show ever well christine we've got another one tomorrow night for the kentucky derby so uh for derby day so don't leave us there um paul paul thank you very much i really appreciate uh, your comments there uh tom espinoza maybe i don't know i don't know about these co-hosts are giving me a hard time uh anyway uh and and then my good friend brad anderson also good friends of matt miller uh frank we really appreciate you throwing some kudos to frank uh, for coming on. Frank, I'm going to let you have the last word as our guest. First of all, I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Sorry we went a little bit long. Any thoughts for the viewers uh, and anything else that you'd like to mention? Yeah, just keep track of the plays that I gave. And then tomorrow when you have my son Justin on, let's compare who gave out oh. more winners because I'm still trying to become the best handicapper in the household still ever <laughs> since he won the NHC. Uh, I, I've been known for a while now as Justin's dad. I'm trying to get my identity back. So hopefully by some of these podcasts, I can do that. But uh, thanks for having me. Had a great time and uh, uh, good luck to you guys over the whole weekend. Hey, Frank, well, did you did you give him the tab from all the years when you were when you were giving him money and supporting him along the way? You should have gave him a little tab after he got that NHC check. Yeah, the tab was when we got to the airport Monday morning, I bought breakfast. And that, oh, of is, course. The, that is the truth, obviously. And of he'll course. tell you, he's sitting, he's sitting not too far from me here downstairs in his room trying to still buy a house with that money. And the market's uh, going crazy. But he's got an offer in. So hopefully uh, oh. 
Turn Oaks back. Day, he gets some good news that uh, he awesome. gets his. Uh, and then I'll then if when he moves out, I'll definitely be the best handicapper in the house. <laughs> wow. Well, listen, Frank. Tomorrow, the first thing I'm going to do is say this is Frank's son, Justin. I won't there say. There you go. Thank you. I appreciate we're, we're, it. We're just going to we're just going to turn that puppy around. Uh, Frank, really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much, Pete and Paul. Great job as always. We wish everyone plenty of success on Friday Oaks Day for Pete Visco, Paul Halloran, and our guest. Frank Musari, this has been Howard Kravitz, episode 134 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Make sure you check us out tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, with Frank's son, the 2021 NHC champion, talking about, uh, Justin Musari, talking about Kentucky Derby Day. Take care, everyone. We hope to see you tomorrow night. Good night.